Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you, Lord, for these words and songs of praise. As Sean has reminded us, you have made us clean. You've washed us from our sin through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We sing hallelujah and praise the Lord. We come before you tonight in honor and praise. We thank you for We give you our energy and our strength. We give you all that we have because you have given to us more than we can ever return. We pray, Lord, tonight that you would be with us as we come to your word and that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher. We pray that each time we open the word of God, we will not take it lightly. We thank you for your word in our own language. We thank you that we have the ability to read it and understand it by the help of the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher. We pray for all of the ministry life of this church tonight scattered across this uh, campus. We pray for our students and Brother Tim and Ken and all the children as they meet and Brother Jeff and the choir, all of our many Bible study classes with adults that go on tonight in addition to us being here together. How we pray that you might be pleased with what we do and that the Word of God is being planted as seeds and watered tonight in the lives of our people and those who come among us and that there be a harvest, that we'll see the harvest as souls grow in obedience and maturity in Christ. Help us tonight to, in this room for a little while, step away from our distractions and focus our minds on your word. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the day that all of Israel, as Paul said, all of Israel be saved. What a glorious day when Israel again turns to the Lord Jesus. May many be saved. Among the Arab peoples and the Jews, may they turn and find the Lord Jesus as their only answer. He truly is. And so we pray tonight, Lord, that in the wars and rumors of wars that rage all across the world. We might know that you are even moments in time closer to coming again. We pray that you might help us to understand that you have purposes for these days we live in, which exceed our own selfish purposes and ideas and goals. So we submit ourselves to your goals for life and for conduct. And we submit ourselves to do your will as a church for as long as you keep us here and as long as we have life. Help us now, Lord, in the days ahead as we have opportunity to look at the book of Isaiah and to listen to the preaching of Isaiah the prophet. May these words make a difference in our lives and help us to understand the glory of the Lord that is coming and already has been. May we understand the glory of Messiah, Lord Jesus, from what he has already come and done to what he will do in the days ahead. Help us to come to understand these strange words that we're not used to. Make us spiritual hearers May the Word of God find a place in our lives tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Well, good evening. Good to see all of you here. If you didn't pick up a copy of the outline, I invite you to do that. We'll be, we're, we're coming to begin a new study and we'll be here for, uh, for the foreseeable future in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah has two parts. Isaiah the prophet, the first 39 chapters have to do with uh, Isaiah in his own times speaking to the kings that he was dealing with and was a prophet dealing with the uh, southern kingdom, Judah and Israel, speaking of to Israel. Uh, his ministry was to uh, Israel. You will find as we study Isaiah many, many references and we'll quote them and I'll identify them as we have opportunity that are found in the New Testament. So all of our, all of our great apostles, Apostle John and Paul and Peter and the others all give time to lift out of Isaiah, this great prophet, this great preacher of God, uh, truths that have to do with the coming of Jesus Christ. Now look, chapter 40 to chapter, as you notice if you just thumb through it, this is quite a large book. And so you have from chapter 40 all the way to uh, 66. Uh, chapter 66, you have words of prophecy that talk about not only current time, but time to come. These words are always a riddle to people. What's strange about these words is that Isaiah even speaks about, now for some of you, please forgive me if you're, if you're not caught up on your Bible history. Some of this I'll, I'll try to explain along, but just be patient. If you don't know, we'll try to explain it as we go along. Uh, the children of Israel were not yet in Babylonian captivity when Isaiah was doing his ministry. So the astounding thing is that chapter, uh, chapter 40 all the way to the end, uh, Isaiah is speaking to Israel about their coming Babylonian captivity and then prophesies about their release from Babylonian captivity. They're coming back to Israel, but beyond that, he speaks of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, remember, Jesus is Jesus Christ. It is Christ is the word used that means promised one, Messiah. So when you say Jesus Christ, you're saying Jesus of Nazareth, born to Mary, the one who walked in the gospels that we read, Jesus of Nazareth is Christ. He is Messiah. He's the promised one. The promise goes back to the book of Genesis, and we'll be seeing it in a few weeks in Genesis 3 as a result of the fall and sin. God promised that from the seed of the woman would come the one who would crush the head of the serpent. The promised one. So all of the Old Testament, all the way through, we find woven through these beautiful pictures and prophecies and promises related to the promised one. You see, everything is about Jesus Christ in history. Look, I'm talking to you now really about history. I'm not giving you a religious lesson. What's happening in the world today is all centered on what's going to happen with Jesus Christ in the future because He is alive, ascended into a glorious heavenly place, and He's coming back to this earth to deal with Israel, and the nations, and to reign. Pastor Mike, what's happening in history? God is fulfilling His purposes. 
in history. So when you listen to Tom Brokaw or whoever you listen to on the news, remember, you're hearing what God is doing in the world. So when, if you wring your hands, you've not heard the, the, the news properly as a believer. This thing of prophecy, I have to make these, these comments before we start. These prophets, all the way to John the Baptist, these prophets. As the Lord said to the <clears throat> Pharisees, you love them after they're dead. You killed them. Your fathers killed them. And you, then you buried them and honored them. These prophets. Most likely the passage in uh, Hebrews 11 that talks about those uh, who were hunted down and it describes various ones. Many of them are prophets. And then it has a reference to one who was sawn in two. Rabbinic history says, Jewish history says that Isaiah was sawn in two. Another martyred prophet that Israel wouldn't listen to. Israel seems to have the same problem as sinful Gentiles. They don't listen to the Word of God. They didn't even listen to the Lord Jesus. How can it get any better than that? Amen. Everything's downhill from there. But the prophet, what does the prophet do? The prophet says something that's like um, I'm using, there, there's, this is hard to describe. It's see. He speaks about things to come that sometimes have like a coin, a head and a tail side. He speaks of comings of the Holy One, but the comings of the Holy One are a first coming and a second coming of the promised one, Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to begin to enter into this time of the coming of the Lord where Isaiah speaks of this coming one who has not yet come and who will come. This is the, this is the thing. So we'll, we'll, we'll walk our way through these and I'll try to navigate us through uh, tonight um, just in an introductory way. So I want us just to have a feel for this first. So from Isaiah 40 all the way to the end of the book is where we'll be going. When we finish, if we aren't in heaven, the Lord hadn't come, you'll be a lot older and so will I. Before the war started in Israel, this latest one, I'd already really been feeling impressed that we needed to come to Isaiah, especially as we come to Christmas time and other things to talk about this. Now I'm so glad. I'm so glad. So there is this uh, strange thing about a prophet. A prophet sees these prophets of God. They saw things about the promised one that would come in two ways. So before we read Isaiah 40, let's get some background. Go and leave, keep your finger there in Isaiah 40. Now go over to 1 Peter for a moment. And let's read some very familiar words from the Apostle Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> Please excuse, excuse me. Supposedly, it's supposed to get freezing next Tuesday. Cheers. 
Cheers. <clears throat> Maybe it'll change for me. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. As to this salvation, you see, all of us who are Christians in this room, you've been saved by the grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, His death on the cross. You believed on the Lord Jesus and you were saved. You repented of your sins and you came and you're now a new creature. Peter's talking about being saved and he says, as to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied, that is they preached, prophecy is speaking of the future in the present, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, uh, that's it. All the prophets prophesy, oh, they, pro they talk about judgment, but they always talk about the grace of God through Jesus Christ, pointing to this promised one. That would come to you, made care now, please notice, this includes Isaiah. They made careful searches and inquiries. The prophets searched carefully. They met with God. God met with them. They searched. They asked questions. They listened. They responded to God. They met God. They made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Messiah, Christ, within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of Messiah, the Holy Spirit, was working through these strange men, these preachers who never seemed to fit in, who spoke fearlessly, fearing God and serving God. They spoke about, and please notice these two things. These are the two sides. The Holy Spirit was indicating to them as he did to Isaiah. They predicted, there's the word, these are predictions about the future. The sufferings of Messiah, the promised one, and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them by the Holy Spirit that they were not serving themselves but you. Are you listening to that? You're reading Isaiah tonight and Isaiah's words are for every one of you tonight. In these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Oh, look at this. The angels are amazed by what we're going to talk about tonight. There is glorious amazement even to this moment among the holy angels. Things into which angels long to look. They're not like us. God did not send Jesus to die for fallen angels. He sent him to save sinners, sinful man. Angels are amazed. And so as the church gathers tonight, we who are part of this church, <clears throat> we're amazed at this Isaiah speaking of things about Israel that are yet to happen. They had no idea they would be in Babylonian captivity, but it came. It came. You see, in chapter 39, uh, the king of Babylon sent letters, verse number 1, and a present to Hezekiah. For he had heard that he had been sick, <coughs> excuse me, and had recovered. See where I'm at? Isaiah 39. So Babylon shows up. Babylon, the new rising power of the world. The new power of the world. Ancient world. Israel was very strong. Hezekiah repented, you remember, and turned from, the, turned from his sin and 
the Lord added to his life. Well, Hezekiah has been sickened. Hezekiah was pleased, and look what he does. He shows the treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, precious oil, and his whole armory. He showed him all of his military stuff. He took them all around, all that was found in the treasuries, and there was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Wow. Then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah. What did these men say, and from where have they come to you? Hezekiah said, They've come to me from a far country, from Babylon. He said, What have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and all that your fathers have laid up in store to this day will be carried to Babylon. Nothing will be left. And some of your sons who will issue from you, whom you will beget, will be taken away and they will become officials in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he thought, For there will be peace and truth in my days. Then we come to this great transition. Comfort, O oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice is calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness, make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. And let the rough ground become plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. This will be our focus tonight, verse 5. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, call out. Then he answered, What shall I call out? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion. That's Jerusalem. Bearer of good news, lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem. Sometimes called Zion, sometimes called Jerusalem. Bearer of good news, lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his 
recompense before him. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arms, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. And he will gently lead the nursing ewes. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens by the span and calculated the dust of the earth by the measure and weighed the mountains in a balance and the hills in a pair of scales? Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord or as his counselor has informed him? With whom did he consult and who gave him understanding and who taught him in the path of justice and taught him knowledge? And informed him of the way of understanding. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket. And are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, he lifts up the islands like dust. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn. Nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare with Him? As for the idol, a craftsman casts it, a goldsmith plates it with gold, a silversmith fashions chains of silver. He who is to impoverish for such an offering selects a tree that does not rot. He seeks out for himself a skilled craftsman to prepare an idol that will not totter. Do you know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they planted, scarcely have they been sown. Scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth, but he merely blows on them. And they wither. And the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me that I would be his equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes notice of my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, 
Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Heavenly Father, we pray that you bless now the reading of your word. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher. In Jesus' name, amen. So what does Isaiah say to Hezekiah? The days are coming when all that is in your house and all that your fathers have laid up in store will be carried to Babylon. And it happened. You know, some number of years ago, I spent time with... uh, uh, those of you who are here, and, and some have, <laughs> some are not here, some have gone to heaven that used to be in here on Wednesday nights. Uh, you know, you and I are all going to go to heaven or hell, one of the two. You know, you're going to die. You do know that. Amen. We won't always be here to hear the Bible taught. This is a temporary issue. Amen. We better do something with it right now. Terry, don't get me going back there now. Don't start. You're like teasing the dog. Don't do it. My point is to say we went through the book of the 12. If you remember the book of the 12, the book of the 12 are the minor prophets. We worked our way through them. It took a long time. Now we come to this man, Isaiah. He's saying ahead of time what we found those minor prophets also warning about. And finally, what do we find? We find Jeremiah. Remember, we were in Lamentations. Jeremiah is the last one to warn, warn them that Babylon is coming, and lo and behold, where do we find Ezekiel? In Babylon captivity with the children of Israel. Where's Daniel? Well, he's one of these young princes that's been taken and made a dignitary and made an official in the government for Babylon. Babylon overtook Israel. The prophecies of what Isaiah saw came to pass. But wait a minute, it didn't stop there. This is what I want you to see tonight. Tonight we trace quickly, and I'll just read through them quickly. We trace tonight quickly the glory of God as it is revealed in what God does with Israel and through the Lord Jesus Christ's first coming and His second coming. Why is Jerusalem, why is Israel important? Because God has work yet to do in that territory. Uh, when, when the Lord Jesus died on the cross, rose again, ascended to heaven, the angel said He's coming back in the same way. That is, to the earth. There's work to still be done. There's a separation of time between the first coming and the second coming, the glories that are to follow. We now will be privileged. As best I can do, I will do it, for us to walk through and see the glories that stand before us of the Lord, what He did in This is Isaiah prophesying how God will bring his children, not only take them to Babylon in captivity, but bring them back and then begin to take Israel. And the Israelites go to Israel as they are today, which they weren't for a long time. They were scattered all over the earth. 1947, Israel became a nation, state. And here they are. Is history just something that goes alongside and we talk about God like a riddle of some kind of an interesting uh, thing on the side? No, you see, all of the Bible is given to you in history. Your Bible is filled with holy history. God is still at work in the world today, folks. 
He's working through all of these various, he's working through all of the uh, chaos in our government. He's working through the darkness of Islam and their leaders. He's working through China, working in the Middle East, working through the, uh, all of these Arab states that surround Israel. There's much for you and I to pay attention to. So when I finish every week and say to this church, as I say to you, the Lord is near the door, I live my life believing that the Lord Jesus is soon to come. I live my life I don't want to be doing anything if the Lord comes tomorrow or today that I shouldn't be doing. I want to watch. I'm not saying that I do it all the time as I should. But I want to be ready. I want you to be ready. Don't go to sleep. Don't pretend that something, well, we're America and we're not. No, wait a minute. All of the nations. Wait a minute. How did he say it? All the nations, even mighty America, are as nothing before Him. We deal with the glory of God in human history. I hope it helps you as you watch the news. I've spent much of my ministry life trying to encourage people who get worried. My mother was in her older days. She was terrified by the news. I said, Mother, here's the good news. And I wasn't being flippant. Mother, here's the good news. Jesus will reign. Jesus is coming. Here's the good news. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry about China. You don't have to worry about a mullah in dark Islam. The devil's religion. You don't have to worry about it. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You live for Him and you pray, Come Lord Jesus. You want Him to come. Listen, have you seen enough news recently to convince yourself that it's going to take God Himself to straighten that mess out? Some of us have lived and seen these conflicts for a lot of years. I look who's in this room tonight. Yes. And it's going to take someone who's going to straighten it out. When the Lord Jesus comes back, He will rule from Jerusalem for a thousand years with a rod of iron. Jesus is coming again. And then, and then, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Now look, you either think I'm a crazy preacher, or perhaps you join with me in thinking such ways so that you're not afraid. What can man do to us if we trust in the Lord Jesus who is coming? Isaiah 6 and Isaiah 40 connect this book. Isaiah 6, Isaiah saw the Lord as he was at the temple. I saw the Lord. I won't go back. Isaiah 6. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His glory filled the temple. It was just the glorious power of God was so great it pushed pushed them out. As I mentioned to you here in your notes, glory means heaviness. When we read this word glory in the Bible in the Old Testament, it means heaviness. It's the idea of something of great substance. Where God is, everything else is pushed out. Nothing can compare to the glory of God. He is to be honored. Glory is His honor, His magnificence, His 
splendidness, His completeness, His abundance. What, how, what words do we use? This is the glory of God. So Isaiah says, he hears the angels. And what are the angels in heaven saying? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Please notice, the whole earth is full of His glory. As we've been looking at on Sunday mornings, the glorious creation of God. He created all things out of nothing and spoke them into existence in six days. In one week, creation week. That's the glory of God. But then we come now to see this. We see in Isaiah 6 this theme. We see a voice calling out in verse 3. Clear the way. Clear the way. The Lord's coming. Clear the way. The Lord's coming. Isaiah preaches and calls for Israel here before they even understand it. Here's the greatest of comfort. You know what the greatest of comfort is? When you prepare the way for the Lord. You know how you prepare the way of the Lord for in your life? You repent of your sins and you keep repenting of your sins. Repentance is the way to comfort. Repentance is the way to peace. Repentance is the, play, is, is the way to have the Lord reigning in our life and glorified. A voice is calling. Look, Isaiah calls to Israel, make the path straight. They're in Babylonian captivity, and yet now Isaiah looks ahead and speaks to Israel in captivity and says, be comforted, repent, prepare the way, and then the glory of the Lord will be revealed, verse 5. John the Baptist came on the scene. I gave it to you in your notes here. Luke 3, 2 through 6. John the Baptist came on the scene preaching these words. Prepare the way of the Lord. The Lord is coming. Isaiah said the Lord is coming. The prophets said the Lord is coming. We know it now to be two times. He's coming once to die for sin. He's coming again in glory to make things right and finish the work. The Lord is coming. Prepare the way. The Lord is coming. Isaiah said it. The prophets said it. John the Baptist said it. And what did Jesus say? When he started being a preacher, he preached and his first sermon was repent for the kingdom of God is here. And then what did the apostles preach at Pentecost? Repent, Israel, of your sins and be saved. Jesus of Nazareth is the promised one. Believe in him and be saved. And 3,000 said, what do we do? And they were saved that day. And then the church goes on to preach repentance. And what do we, us preachers, who pay attention to the Word of God, we preach repentance. It doesn't matter whether it's popular or not. Repent is the word we say. Prepare the way. Have you prepared the way in your life? Have you prepared the way? You want to see the glory? Oh, I want the love of God. I want the grace of God. I want the forgiveness of God. I want the mercy. See, all of those things are descriptions of the glory of God. You will not receive that if you don't prepare the way. And the way you prepare it is you submit yourself and confess your sin. And once we confess our sin, we keep confessing our sin as John the Apostle teaches us. If we say we don't have any sin, we're lying. But if we confess our sin, all of us Christians, when it happens, and it happens all the time, if we confess our sin, if we prepare the way, He will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. A voice is calling. A voice is calling. A voice is calling 
through all the clutter and chaos and noise and selfishness and confusion and self-absorption of the world today. Repent. Prepare the way of the Lord. A voice is calling. A voice is calling. The church stands as a voice calling. And then we see the glory of Jesus Messiah in Isaiah. I won't read all of these tonight. I'll go back and comment on them in the future. But what I've traced out for you here are the statements of glory, the glory of God through Isaiah, through the book of Isaiah. You can look at all of them, but tonight as we finish, I want you to see verse 5. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together. You see, the glory of the Lord was seen in the first coming of Jesus Christ. You and I haven't seen Him. But Peter and John saw Him. The apostles, all the disciples saw Him. Well over 500 saw Him. They saw Him resurrected. Peter and John and James stood up on a hillside and... <clears throat> literally saw Jesus transformed into unapproachable light. Speaking with Moses and Elijah, they saw the glory of God. In fact, it's such a stunning statement that uh, Peter says, you know, as we most of us in this room know from his own writings in 2 Peter, he reminds us of this <coughs> very truth that he was an eyewitness to the glory of the Lord. For we did not, this is 2 Peter 1.16. You can note it and just read it sometime. We did not follow cleverly devised tales. In other words, well, this is what the, this is what the lost world says. Well, you Christians just believe tales. How, how do you believe these Jews, these Jew tales? These, these uh, stories. How do you know if they're real or not? We did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus, Messiah, Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. So tonight, remember this. Peter said we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. I have it in your notes. The glory of the Lord Jesus was revealed in His earthly ministry. Here's the way John said it. We saw His glory. Glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's the way the Lord Jesus came to this world. You read it in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus Christ reveals the glory of God, the unseen God, by the way He showed grace and truth. Grace and truth. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, The glory of God is revealed in the face of Jesus. And then what do, we, what do we hear in heaven being said and sung? Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, riches, and wisdom, and might, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And then we finish, and I didn't put it in your notes, but <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says that the Lord Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. Did you see the sun today? You can't quite look at the sun itself, but you can see its radiance, can't you? It radiates. The Lord Jesus radiates the glory of God. 
the Lord Jesus is not a good thought and an idea and some philosophical consideration. He is the living promised one who came and died and walked this earth in Israel and died on a cross and was buried and rose from the dead on the hill and will come again. And in this very moment in time, he is our great high priest for the church alive in heaven. Have you spoken to your Lord today? So I say, I say, I hear a voice calling. Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up. This is what would happen when a king would come. He would send his team ahead of him. They didn't have bulldozers in that day, but they fixed the road. King's not going to go on a rough road. Somebody probably get killed for that. Make the way straight. Clean this way up before the king comes. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Listen, hear what the word of God says. And all flesh will see it together. I believe that we live in a time where a person can see any one thing that's happening in the world at the same time. Do you? Jesus is coming again. So as the old preacher used to say it when I was growing up, and I ain't scared. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Hallelujah. Come Lord Jesus. A voice is calling. Help us as a church to call out to these dear ones lost in their sinfulness, absorbed in their self, angry and bitter, unforgiving, hostile, hateful, murdering, killing, with no love in their lives. In these last days, the love of many has grown cold, even in the church. Men are lovers of self, not lovers of God. We have the warnings from your word. And we pray that you would let us be a voice. Prepare the way for the Lord. Get your house in order. Prepare to meet your God. May we be faithful to do it. Until all the earth sees the glory of the Lord Jesus in his return. We say, Maranatha. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Good to see you. I know that that was a strange way to start. Stay with me. We'll move into chapter 40 again, Lord willing, next week. And we'll begin to... What do we do, Gail? We put it in first gear like a tractor and just plow the ground. God bless you. Have a good week. Say hello to somebody on your way out if you don't know them. See you Sunday.